This program is brought to you by Bible Media, under the oversight of the elders of the Chipman Road Congregation in Lee Summit, Missouri. Hello, and welcome to the podcast, Spiritual Appetizer, small devotional tidbits to stimulate the spiritual appetite. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4 says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The topic for discussion today in episode 129 is going to be from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 12. If we are right with God, the prospect of going to heaven should reassure, comfort, and excite us. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 12 read, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of Gentiles. For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Paul was assured that God was able to keep his promises to him. If we are right with God, the prospect of going to heaven should reassure, comfort, and excite us, just as it did Paul. Paul knew on whom he had believed, and he was persuaded that God was able to keep those things that he had committed unto him. God had told him, if you live the way that you're supposed to live, if you follow my word and love me, that you'll have a reward in heaven. And Paul knew this, and it reassured him, it comforted him, and it excited him. In Exodus chapter 18, verses 1 through 12, the Bible says, And Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel his people, that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back with her two sons, of whom the name of one was Geshem, for he said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. And the name of the other was Eliezer, for he said, The God of my father was my help, and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness, where he was encamped at the mountain of God. Now he had said to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, in coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, bowed down, and kissed him. And they asked each other about their well-being, and they went into the tent. And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them on the way, and how the Lord had delivered them. Then Jephro rejoiced for all the good which the Lord had done for Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord, who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of Pharaoh, and who has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods, for in the very thing in which they behaved proudly, he was above them. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and other sacrifices to offer to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. If we are right with God, the prospect of going to heaven should reassure, comfort, and excite us, just as it did Moses and Jethro here. Jethro 
knew all the good that God had did for them, and he rejoiced in it. He rejoiced in the fact that God was with his people and that he would take care of his people. That's what we need to understand today, is God is going to be with those that love him, and he is going to take care of them. And we should be reassured and comforted by this. And it should excite us that there is a reward for the faithful in the end. If we are right with God, the prospect of going to heaven should reassure, comfort, and excite us, just as it did Moses, just as it did Paul. In Isaiah chapter 32 and verse 17, it says, The work of righteousness will be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. The work of righteousness will be peace. Not peace with the world, but peace with God, a peace that surpasses all understanding. Because when you're right with God, this world has nothing that it can do to you. Even if it threatens death, it has nothing that it can hold over you because God will reward the faithful man of God with a reward that is so much better than here on earth. The work of righteousness will be peace. For working righteousness, we can be free. John chapter 8, and verse 32, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That is that peace that it's talking about here. And the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. We don't have to brag. We don't have to brag about what we're doing, because our God is great. And His effect of righteousness upon us is quietness and assurance. We can be assured that our God is going to keep His promises to us and that He will never break a single one of them because He is the mighty and all-powerful God. The work of righteousness will be peace. We will be free and the effect of righteousness will quieten our soul and there will be nothing to worry about. And we will have assurance forever, just as Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. He was willing to go through all the different persecutions that he had went through in his life and still be faithful to God because he knew on whom he had believed. And then persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Paul had committed himself to God. He had committed his resources, his work, and everything that he was to God. And he said, I know my God is able to keep what I have committed to him. If we are right with God, the prospect of going to heaven should reassure, comfort, and excite us. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12, the Bible says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. When you understand who you believe in and you're persuaded that he is able to keep what you've committed to him, then what the world does to you, no matter if they kill the body, it doesn't matter because you understand you're blessed for the kingdom of heaven is yours. No matter how they persecute you, they can't take that away from you. They cannot take the kingdom of heaven away from you because it's not theirs to be taken away. It's God's. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name's sake because this world is temporal. But the next is not going to be. It's going to be eternal. John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So they can revile and persecute us here on this earth all they want because it's temporal. It's not going to last forever. But the gift that God gives to the faithful is the reason we can be rejoice and be exceedingly glad. 
because we have a reward in heaven. That's what Paul understood. He understood this. And that's why he could say, I know on whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. If we are right with God, the prospect of going to heaven should reassure, comfort, and excite us. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 13, the Bible says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing but in prayer. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If we are right with God, the prospect of going to heaven should reassure, comfort, and excite us. You see, we can have the peace that surpasses all understanding to guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If we're right with Him and we're doing what He wants us to do and we understand how to be free by serving Him, by knowing the truth, then nothing that this world can do can really hurt us. And all we need to do is to focus upon those things that are noble, just, and pure, and lovely, and of good report, and meditate on those things, and we will have the peace that surpasses all understanding. If we'll watch Paul and we'll model his life, the things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. If you'll be like Paul, the God of peace will be with you, and it will cause rejoicing to come about in your life. And you'll be able to know that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We can do anything, anything that God wills for us, as long as God is on our side, as long as we are on God's side, as long as we know how to be abased and abound in everywhere and all things. I've learned to be full and to be hungry. As long as we've learned to be content with what God wants for us, then we will be reassured, comforted, and excited about the reward. If we are right with God, the prospect of going to heaven should reassure, comfort, and excite us. In First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, the Bible says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. The day of judgment is coming. The day in which he is going to return to judge the world, it is coming. And if we're right with him, then we can comfort one another with these words. That this world is going to end, that he's going to come back in judgment, and this world is going to be destroyed, and that we are going to have a reward in heaven. That's very comforting if you know that you've been serving God the way that he wants to be served. But if you're living in sin, you don't have that comfort. You don't have the comfort of when he's going to return because when he's going to return, it's going to scare you if you're not living the way that he wants you to live. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 
uh, 1 through 11, the Bible says, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. If you're right with God, that doesn't scare you. If you're ready, that doesn't scare you. But if you're not, it does. Verse 3, For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. If you're ready, it's not going to overtake you. You're going to be ready for it. You're going to know that God is going to keep his word to you. Verse 5, you are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. You see, these words can be very comforting, that he's going to return as a thief in the night, and that he's going to be here for judgment, that the world is going to be cleansed of all the darkness that is in it, and that he's going to take his people home. This can be very comforting to us if we're living in the light. If we are right with God, the prospect of going to heaven should reassure, comfort, and excite us. In First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1-11, through 11, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about that day in which he's going to return. And that there's going to be a reckoning between the light and the darkness, and the darkness is not going to win. But if we are of the light, then that night is not going to overtake us. It's not going to scare us. It's going to reassure, comfort, and excite us. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, and verse 15, it says, Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If you've been diligent in working the way that God wants us to work, and if you have studied his word to know what it says and are able to rightly divide it, there's no reason to be scared of the second coming. If we're right with God, the prospect of going to heaven should reassure, comfort, and excite us. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17, the Bible says, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped unto every good work. If we've lived the way that he wants us to live and we've used the scriptures for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, then we're going to be complete. We're going to be perfect. We're going to be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And if we have lived that way, there's no need to be afraid of the second coming of Christ. Because he is going to keep his promises to us. The second coming should reassure us, comfort, and excite us. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6-8, through 8, the Bible says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. This is speaking about Paul. And the time of my departure is at hand. For I have fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not to me only, but to all who have loved his appearing. In First Timothy, in Second Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 12, 
He says, I know on whom I have believed. How did he know on whom he had believed? Because he had studied the scripture. He had used it in his life. I know on whom I have believed and persuaded that he is able to keep that which he has committed unto, which I have committed unto him. You see, Paul had fought the good fight. He had finished the race. He had kept the faith. He had committed his entire life to God. And he knew from that that there was going to be a reward of righteousness waiting for him. If we are right with God, the prospect of going to heaven should reassure, comfort, and excite us. So as we go about our lives today, let's take this little bit of food and apply it to our lives, digest it into our lives, and mold our lives around the Word of God. This has been Spiritual Appetizer, small devotional tidbits to stimulate the spiritual appetite. Thank you. So, as we go about our lives today, let's take this little bit of food and apply it to our lives, digest it into our lives, and mold our lives around the Word of God. This has been Spiritual Appetizers, small devotional tidbits to stimulate the spiritual appetite. Thank you. We thank you for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Media by visiting our website, BibleWayMedia.org. You can find all of our podcasts and all major podcast platforms. As always, we thank you for listening.